Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. And so I I am reminded of a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 as we continue our walk through this book. As I saw the church grow while we rested, I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes 10 verses 8 through 10. Let's read it. The scripture says, when you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you to succeed. You know, working is a part of life, but this scripture shows us that there is a danger in working. Chop down a tree, it might fall on you. Try to build a wall out of stones, you might get injured. You're coding as a programmer, you might get a hand cramp. I don't know, just trying to make the scriptures relevant for today. We live in a culture that values hard work, but it can come at a cost. It can be dangerous. We live in a culture, especially as Americans, where we put such a standard of hard work on us that did you know in all industrial nations in the world, we're the only ones without maternity leave after you have a baby? Did you know that in all industrial nations in the world, we are really one of the least in taking vacation days and we work the most hours in a day? I was looking at all these data points, and it's like, wow, we do this, but I think our work can come at a cost to our soul. I think our work can come at a cost to our family, to our health, and it can be dangerous, just like the author of Ecclesiastes says. You know, all that said, I I am an advocate for hard work, especially when it comes to things of the kingdom, but I, I believe that we need to heed the warning here that we can't just live our lives relying on endurance, hustle culture, brute strength, and willpower to challenge every obstacle we face in life. It says again, let's read it in verse 10. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. You know, recently I started obsessing over this show called Alone on the History Channel. That's what happens when you don't preach for five weeks. And I love the show. Anybody watch Alone? It's where you take contestants, 10 of them, you drop them off in intense environments like the Arctic in the winter, and they aren't given many supplies, and all they have to do is survive. They have to find their own food. They have to make their own shelter. They have to start their own fires, and they win if they survive the snow, the grizzly bears, and starvation. I'm obsessed with this show. And you realize that people can't just grit their way through this challenge. They have to outlast everybody, so they have to rest at appropriate times. They have to make the right decisions. They can't just go with it through strength alone. They have to use their brain. They have to be strategic. They have to even rest at appropriate times. 
you'll see a lot of the contestants taking time to just sharpen their blade because the dull ones aren't working appropriately. You know, I, I wish I would have known this before I went camping a couple of weeks ago. I went camping with a couple of guys, including John Boyd, our brand new youth director, and uh, uh, I, I, I use this machete to camp a lot. As you can see, it's gone through some things. It's, uh, it's been a, a trusty servant. I cook steaks on it. Uh, I use it as a, a walking pole. I use it as entertainment. If you want a good game, it's called Catch the Machete. It's really fun. It's really dangerous. It's a, it's a very high-risk, low-reward kind of game. But it's, a, it's great for entertainment. And so I, I, I was trying to cut some firewood with John Boyd and some of these other guys, and I'm just trying to get through this. And it's just, it's just not working. It, it's not going for it. And if I could, uh, I'm going to move this right here in the center stage so you can see. Let me get this over here. Sorry, I haven't preached in like five weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Amrita. There it is. Yes, yes. Like that. There you go. Thank you. So I, I, I'm trying to use this dull machete to cut this wood, and, and it doesn't work. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to chop and chop and chop, but it, it's so dull, I can't really make any progress. And I think there's a warning in Ecclesiastes that I think our American culture really needs to heed, and it's this. Busyness does not equal fruitfulness. Let me say that again. Busyness does not equal fruitfulness. Don't confuse busy for productivity. Say it with me. Busyness does not equal fruitfulness. Don't confuse busy for productivity. Amen. But I think this is what we do in our American culture, and it comes at a cost. It can be dangerous. I have found in my life that a dull blade is more dangerous than a sharp blade, especially when it comes to our families. I don't have time to invest in myself because I'm so busy working. I don't have time to take care of my family because I have to work. I can't go to church because I was slotted to work and work. I am like a shark. If I stop moving, I'm going to die. Right? And we keep on trying to do the same thing and expect different results. And then we wonder why as a culture we feel unsettled, we feel tired, we feel low in energy. It's because our blades are dull. And we just think if we work harder, longer, we will get the results we want. But that is a lie. And our work can be a danger to our soul. Amen. So we can't confuse the two. And so have you ever taken the time to ask yourself this question? Am I working to live or living to work? Are people that are important to me suffering because I invest more in my job than I do my marriage? Am I investing more in my craft than my kids? Am I investing more in my job than my church? 
Am I investing more in my career than my soul, than my devotional life? Because just like when you build a rock wall, the rock can crush you. When we build the American dream, it can easily become a nightmare for our family. How many of you have experienced neglect in your families because of work? And it comes at a great costs. And you'd think with the advancement of technology in America, we'd all be in this utopia working less. But the fact is, the more technology has grown in our culture, the more hours we are working a day. This is wild. What's happened? Because I believe it's a trap that the devil has for us, that the culture has for us, that if we can't be destroyed, we can be distracted by work. And like I'm saying, I'm not against work. I believe work is godly. I believe it's important, but we need to understand the warnings of Scripture. So today, as you evaluate your life, let me ask you this question. Is your life dull or is it sharp? Is your life dull or is it as sharp? So instead of hacking away at life, I want to challenge us to apply this wisdom from Ecclesiastes. And point number one, work harder. Nope. Work smarter not harder. See, we have an instinct to just work harder and not smarter, but this is not what Ecclesiastes say. Works, working harder is good, but sometimes we need to ask ourselves, is this the best way? And so I wrote it like this. A great life hack, if you like life hacks, a great life hack is to stop hacking away at life. All right, let me, this is going to come off a little strong. So sit your axe down and sharpen it. Then get your axe back to work. To be blunt isn't very sharp. So instead of just moving forward with the axe, can I just ask you to back that axe up, set it down, and get to work in a godly way? You know, Abraham Lincoln said it like this, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Why did he say that? You know, there's a story about two loggers. They're going to cut down all these trees. They have a competitive spirit. They decide to have a little challenge. Who can cut down the most trees in this certain amount of time? So they get to work. First hour, they're both going as fast as they can. And there's Peter and John. And Peter, he decides, you know what? I'm going to take a break. John gets really excited. Oh, wow, he's already getting tired, so I'm going to go chop at twice the speed. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to move faster. So the next hour comes, and at the last 15 minutes of the hour, this guy, he takes another break again. And so he's like, oh, my goodness, he's lazy. He's sitting down. He's taking a break. I'm going to go further. And he doesn't take one break. And at the end of the day, John is confident. All right, I never stopped. So obviously, I've won this contest. They get down, and guess what? John lost. And he says, how, how is it possible that you cut down more trees than me? And he said, well, while you were just swinging away, I took 15 minutes off of every hour to sit down and sharpen my axe. And because I took that time to work on this, I was able to cut down trees more efficiently, and that's why I won the contest. And so uh, I love this story for a couple of reasons, because it validates my theory that there's a thin line between laziness and genius. 
But it also shows us that we need to work smarter, not harder, and we can do more with less time when we take a moment to sharpen our blade. So I want to ask uh, John Boy to come up here and kind of demonstrate this. So I, I went camping with this dull machete. That's an actual true story. And I'm trying to cut wood, and seriously, it is just not working. I'm swinging this really hard, and I work out, so you know that's it's got a lot of force. And so... Uh, John comes on this camping trip, and he brings this hatchet. That's Tell me a little bit about this hatchet. Oh, this is a great hatchet. You can get it from Fjallraven in Seattle. It's a Swedish made. There's the initials, B-E, and he's the guy that made this axe. I can send it back for as long as I live, and he'll fix it for me. I like to believe that his name is Bjorn Eriksson. Thank you. So he... <laughs> <laughs> so he pulls out this hatchet and stand wherever you need to stand off stage or on stage but he he just dominates this protector look at that let's give it up for john boyd and he's gonna go start a fire somewhere but look at that. How many times did I hack away at that? Nothing. And trust me, I am way stronger than John. <laughs> trust me. Just trust me. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> but because he had this sharpened hatchet that was really high quality, he was able to cut through that. And so bringing it home to us in our lives, let me ask this question. When was the last time you stopped working in your life so that you could work on your life? Let me ask that again. When was the last time you stopped working in your life so that you could work on your life? You know, as Amritha mentioned a little bit ago, our, our son was diagnosed with autism, and I cope by researching. Anybody like that? I, I want to find out the problems. I'm looking at... WebMD, because it wasn't just like autism. It was like every time he ate a banana, he would get black rings around his eyes. His stomach would bloat, and it would cause him great distress. We'd go to the doctors and say, uh, well, it's autism, we can't do anything about it. But we saw all these accompanying signs of discomfort, our kid crying literally throughout the night, and we were like, we have to do something for our kid. And so we did all this research, we're looking it up, go to the doctors, they don't have a lot of help, we don't know where this came from, we don't know what to do about it. So I'm just like in every Facebook group, I'm looking through all the discussion boards, I'm reading books, I'm trying biomedical help, we're doing like all of the supplements, all of the techniques, we're on the weirdest diet. It's gluten-free, dairy-free. We're looking for mold in our house. We're surveying things for lead and mercury, looking at our well water. We're checking the paint in our walls to see if there's chemicals. What's going on? And I did this for two years, and I was just working, 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 working. All of my spare time went to researching for my kids' health, and I got exhausted, and nothing worked. And to be honest, for the last two years, I, I said, I can't do this anymore. I just got to pray and leave this to God because I'm not trained in these things. And as I took that break for two years of doing all the research, uh, Tiffany Bloom, 
one of our guest speakers from two weeks ago, she recommended this doctor in Seattle that she drives to see all the way from Tacoma. We went to this doctor, and we were like, I don't know. We've seen about seven, eight doctors. They've literally not offered us any advice or help. This doesn't work. And uh, all right, we'll try it. You say this doctor's great. I could cry talking about this. But in the first appointment, the doctor said, I feel like you, you've just been like trying all of these things but have you tested to see what's going on in your kid? We're like, no, no doctor has given us the tools. In fact, one doctor yelled at us when we tried to get our kid tested for Lyme's disease, and we found out he has Lyme's disease. We actually found it out, and they were upset that we would even test for that in Washington. So we go to this doctor, and they say, well, let's, day one, let's do a genetic test. Let's do a blood test. Let's do a stool test. I'm telling you what, in the first two weeks of working with that doctor, they found 13 genetic anomalies in our kid. This is no wonder he's going through some of these things. There's stuff going on in his very DNA genetically that you're not going to treat with these methods or this dose. You need, a, you need to get more intelligent with how you're treating your kid. And I'm just thinking, my goodness, all of those years I just spent researching and working. And in one test, the doctor was able to give us direction and I, I have not felt that relief in years. It was like I could have exhausted myself to the bone. But because this doctor helped us to work smarter and not just harder, it helped us in our lives. When was the last time you took a moment to diagnose the situations in your life instead of just going forth with solutions you think that will work? taking a mentor, taking some experts with you, taking the Lord to help you really diagnose what's going on. And so I, I really think that one of the first things we need to do is stop swinging the blade so we can evaluate where is it not sharp? Where is it dull? What's going on in my situation so that I can be more effective and not just put more hours in, more brute strength in, and not just grit my way through life with a hustle culture, which if we're honest, is bringing us diminishing returns. I mean, we can work two to three jobs right now and not be able to afford rent. As a society, we've been fed a lie that I think has taken a toll on us as a culture. Amen? Amen. It's not okay. And so, uh, you know, a warning I want to give as I share this principle is this, though. What I've seen in the church is when we try to apply this principle, the first thing we eliminate is spiritual practices. We're like, I'm burnt out, so I need to stop praying. I'm burnt out, so I need to stop reading my Bible. I'm so busy, so the first thing I need to do is get rid of the church and small group attendance. And I, I just think that is super dangerous. And so uh, I want to I challenge you with this thought. Number two, Jesus is the rock that sharpens our dull edges. You know, when you, you take a blade and you want to sharpen it, a lot of times you'll see people pour water on the blade and they'll sharpen it against a stone. And maybe you've heard scriptures like as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Uh, there, it requires us not being alone to have our blades sharpened. We need the rock we need other iron. And I believe that when we are living dull lives, we need something outside of our blade, outside of ourselves to sharpen us. You need God and you need God's people. And uh, Jesus is a rock that sharpens our dull edges. You know, I, as I look at the scripture, I'm always amazed by how much time Jesus, who is fully God, spent alone praying. 
Have you ever wondered about that in the scripture? Like, you're God. What are you talking about? Like, why do you need to spend so much time praying? You know, in Luke 5, the scripture says in verse 15, yet the news about Jesus, about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is so interesting because Jesus only had three and a half years of public ministry. He gets baptized. His public ministry is announced. And what's the first thing he does? He's lived on the earth 30 years already, but now he's about to preach. He's about to heal. What's the first thing Jesus does in his public ministry? He goes into the desert alone and he fasts. Isn't that wild? Is that what we would do if we were trying to change the whole reality of humanity, no, we would get to work. We would get our agenda right. We would set our schedule. We would set up appointments. But Jesus went into the desert and was alone for 40 days. And then he's finally back in society. He's praying for people. Crowds are gathering around him. You have the words of life. You have hope. You have the teaching we need. We, you have the miracles that we need. And then what does Jesus do? It says he often withdrew to lonely places so that he could pray. Here's a question I have for all of us. If Jesus, the son of God, prayed often, how much more do we need to pray? I mean, we need prayer more than Jesus. Can I get a better amen? We need the spirit of God. And a lot of us are living dull lives. And I believe it's because we're trying to sharpen our lives alone. But we need the rock of Jesus Christ to sharpen our dull edges so that we can be more effective and truly human how God calls us to be human. You know, Martin Luther says, I am so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. And I, I believe that we have fallen into the danger of work where we've become too busy to pray. We become too busy to read our scriptures. We've been too busy to attend church on Sundays. Thank you for making Sunday a priority, but I'm speaking to a cultural norm at large. We're too busy to get involved in small groups. I just don't have time. I just don't have time. And it, it, it comes down to a reality of trust because I know our culture is set up to make you work and work and work and work and work, just like so many cultures throughout history. But at some point, we need to reject that as the people of God and saying, I believe 100% that God can do more with my six days than I can do with seven days. It comes down to an issue of trust. So much of the scripture is, will you place God first in your life? Even why we promote tithing and giving to the Lord financially. I believe God can do more with 90% of my income than I can do with 100% of my income. And I know some of us, we hear this and we're like, Pastor Pradeep, and you don't understand. My job has such high pressure on me and I, I need to put food on the table. I don't know how to make ends meet as it is. Trust me, I know how difficult it can be. We moved to Bellevue, Pastor Amritha and I, to start a church after living near Flint, Michigan, where things were not nearly as expensive. We left our income. We had an 11-month-old child to start a church because we felt like the Lord called us to do that. We didn't have income. We didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. We didn't know how any of it was going to work. But can I tell you, God was faithful to us. And if he did it back then, he can do it again in your life. 
He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our faith. And our faith does require faith. Our faith does require, sometimes we jump and on the way up, we say, Lord, how high do you want me to go? Our faith requires faith, but I know it's scary. And I know many of us are trapped in the the grindstone of society and culture. But we as the church, we can trust God and believe that he has something better for us. Why do I have to work so hard in my life? Why does it feel like no matter how much effort I put in, I'm just losing ground? Well, I believe it's because we're not giving God the opportunity to help us work not just harder, but smarter. I love this scripture in Luke chapter 10. It's about Mary and Martha, who Jesus called friends. And in Luke 10, 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, I can relate to this, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Anybody have a sister like that? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Eider, you got a sister like that? (laughs) Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so uh, this is convicting, isn't it? Lord, I have to get this in order. Have you seen my house? Have you seen the condition of my job? I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know how I'm going to hold down this mortgage. I got to take my kid to all these sports activities. My social calendar is so full. And then Jesus say, hey, the, the one who chose to sit at my feet Maybe it doesn't look efficient. Maybe it doesn't look productive. But Jesus says, this is the better choice. I wrote it like this. This sounds funny, but I love it. Jesus said the woman who chose not to be in the kitchen made the better choice. And all the ladies said? (laughs) Who needed to hear that today? (laughs) I like that. Quote me on that. So my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so my, my prayer is that in the business of life, we choose Jesus. You know, we can be busy with all these tasks in life and forget about Jesus. You know, even Pastor Amritha and I, we work together. We're raising kids together. We're working on our house together. But sometimes she'll just say, like, we've done all this stuff together, but I feel like we're missing each other. I feel, I feel like we're just not connecting. Anybody relate to that? And I, I, I feel like that can happen in our relationship with God. Like, yes, we serve the church, but Jesus is more important than the church. Yeah, y- yes, we attend and we have small groups and fellowship, but uh, we can never let our ministry become an idol that keeps us from Jesus. And so it, it keeps us sharp. I think a lot of us are burnt out in serving in the church because we've rusted out. <laughs> I don't think we're actually working too hard. I just don't think we're filling the lamp of our life with more oil by spending time with Jesus. And so we blame the church because we're tired. But I I think the reality is we're not filling up on the things of Jesus. And, And society has told us sitting in the presence of Jesus is a waste of time. But if I've learned anything from the story with Mary and Martha, it's this. Wasting your life on Jesus is not a waste at all. 
It is not a waste at all. And so I, I'm so proud of our church because I feel like we are developing our prayer muscle. We have a prayer team after service where people are coming to the altars and praying every single week. We've been doing these Kalos nights where we're learning how to pray corporately together and also get on our knees before the Lord. And I'm, I'm just so proud of you for developing those prayer muscles. And this is one of the reasons that why uh, twice a year, since we started Kalos Church, every August and every January, we do something called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And this is a time where we disconnect from the legitimate pleasures of the world so that we can say, ah, I don't want to get busy with just working in the kitchen. I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I, I want to challenge you. Would you make a commitment starting tomorrow for the next 21 days to intentionally connect with Jesus, that you would sharpen the blade of your life on the rock that is Jesus and you may have never prayed and fasted before. Well, this is the perfect time to start. What is prayer? It's just talking with God. It's listening with God. Covering up five, ten, an hour in the morning, in the night to pray with God, however it works for you. What is a fast? It's disconnecting from something. Maybe I'm not going to eat these certain foods, or maybe I'm not going to look at social media, or maybe I'm going to trade in all my Netflix time for Jesus' time. And I believe that when we do that, something beautiful could happen. Uh, that's what this represents. We're going we're gonna to trade in our distractions for devotions. And I, I believe that this is going to be awesome. We trade in our comfort food for the Holy Spirit comforter. And it makes a difference in our lives. You know, uh, in closing, I, I just want to share, honestly, we've been in this season where Kalos is growing and we have this building that, as of this month, we're officially paying for. But to be real and vulnerable, we, uh, we've hit some snags with the, the city of Bellevue and permitting issues. We're still, we still have the building, but we're trying to figure out how can we legally use it. And I've been stressed about it. I, I've been like, how are we going to pay for all of this? We're paying for the GIX, and now we're paying for the lease on this building. What's going to happen? And I'm like working really hard with the city. I've been calling them every day. I've been emailing them every day. I've been thinking about it, working really, really hard. Hard. It's been stressful. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, would you just trust me with it? Instead of just working, 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 emailing, emailing, stressing, would you pray about it? Would you give it to me? And I was just kind of convicted with that reality. Oh, Lord, yeah, here I am trying to move forward with this church, and I've forgotten to include you in the process. I need to pray. And he reminded me of when we started Kalos Church, Five years ago, we didn't know anybody in Bellevue. We didn't have connections. We didn't have networks. And we didn't know where we were going to start this church. Andrew Jennings, who is, uh, he's on our staff, the first person we hired. We're walking around downtown Bellevue looking at these buildings. Seriously looked at over 100 buildings. And we got, no, no, no. We can't afford this. This isn't going to work. It was just like closed door after closed door. We're walking around by the movie theater in the Lincoln Square. And there's this club. I feel like the Holy Spirit says, go knock on that door. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, it's like 8 or 9 a.m. It's in the morning. The club is, it's not open. And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know that. No, that's not what the Holy Spirit is. He has a knock on the door. So I go and I just knock on this door in the morning, a nightclub. And believe it or not, someone opens the door. And they say, why are you here so early? We're not open for like eight hours. 
And I say, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit sent me here, and I want to start a church to make known the beauty of Jesus. Will you help us? And to my great surprise, she said, you know what? I'm going to give you this building for $500 a week, which in Bellevue is crazy. You can use our lights. You can use our sound system. You can use our stage. You can use all of it. And so on September 17, 2017, Kalos Church started in the Parlor Comedy Club. No joke. And it's amazing that that girl, she gave us that spot for such an amazing price, and then she quit her job about two weeks later but we had already signed the contract. <laughs> Glory to God. Can I get a better amen? <laughs> but here's the point I'm trying to make. God did more in one moment than we accomplished in months of striving and working and exhausting ourselves and just working harder. And so my prayer is that you get this in your spirit. Yes, serve the Lord. Yes, work hard at your job. Yes, cultivate your family. But let's work smarter, not harder. And I think the smartest decision we could ever make is not just working for Jesus, but working with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this word, your scripture. Pray that you would help us to apply it in our lives. Lord, I pray for those of us who are just tired. We're just exhausted. We don't think anything's effective. We're not fruitful. Lord, we know that when we... Abide in the vine, we produce fruit. So Lord, help us to abide in you that we might produce fruit that glorifies your great name. And Lord, for those of us who are just exhausted, we're like, Lord, I'm trying. I'm just wanting to pay the bills. I'm not trying to not trust you. I'm not trying to dishonor you. Lord, I pray that you bring divine strategies and ideas. I pray that you bring open doors, ways we can be more uh, effective as we trust in you, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Yeah.